Uh, one of the reasons you take a job um, like mine, uh, stepping out of parish ministry for a season, um, is uh, I am so passionate about seeing people uh, released into their gifts, whatever your gifts are, whatever you look like, whatever your passions, your talents, the spiritual gifts you have. Um, and so I hope you will leave encouraged uh, to live out your Christian faith uh, as we look at God's word this morning. Um, but let me uh, pray uh, and then uh, we'll turn uh, to God's word. Father God, we thank you for the chance to gather together this morning, and Lord, we just pray that you would be meeting with us in the power of your Spirit. Uh, would you be equipping us uh, to know that we are your disciples afresh this morning? Amen. When I was, um, I was associate vicar down at a church uh, in Canterbury, and every now and then, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury invited himself along. And so we were having a, a baptism service uh, once, and we did baptism by full immersion. Uh, so we had a baptistry we could build and get out. Um, and uh, the, my, my incumbent at the time said, oh, Craig, why don't you uh, get in uh, the, the baptistry with the archbishop and do the heavy lifting? Um, and uh, so, so, I mean, we had one guy who was a well-built Italian guy. Um, he was quite heavy to pull back up, um, but the Lord saved him, so that's fine. Uh, so, um, and so, so the archbishop was there, and... Um, and, uh, and, and apparently, um, if you're the Archbishop of Canterbury, you outrank any other clergyman. And so when he, um, we'd, we'd baptised this person, he'd you know, said the words, and we put him down into the water once and pulled him back up. And in our church, that was it. We then continued with the liturgy and the, the words that were said. Um, obviously, if you're a very good Anglican like an archbishop, you baptise people three times. So as I was standing up and ready to pray for this guy. He was on his way back down into the pool. And this was the you know, 15, 16 stone, muscly Italian guy. So I yanked him back up uh, with all my strength, pulled a muscle uh, in my calf uh, doing it. Um, but, but, uh, and, and the archbishop had a lot of fun because we didn't have our liturgy right either, um, but that was okay. Uh, we got some people baptized, uh, which was a huge privilege. And baptism is uh, such a huge privilege. Um, I don't know whether you can remember back to your baptism um, that moment when you uh, were able to say, this is the way uh, that I am going to choose to follow. I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. For some of us, that looked like confirmation. Um, that was my adult declaration of faith as a 19-year-old at university. Um, that was my way of saying those promises my parents had uh, made over me uh, as a child were mine uh, to own. Um, and so I often find myself speaking on Jesus' baptism. I get the privilege of uh, speaking around the diocese in different places. Um, from I've been right up to Bawtry in the north of the diocese. Um, this might be about as far south as I've been. That's probably quite terrible, isn't it? But a um, but, um, but, but, but real privilege to speak around. And Jesus' baptism sums up for me our first calling, our primary vocation. Because the first and most important thing for each human being, I believe, is to know that we are known and loved by God. And that's what we see uh, in these words. Um, it was a short reading this morning. I don't know whether you're used to reading more scripture. But, um, but in these words at Jesus' baptism, he goes to receive the baptism of John the Baptist, which was a baptism of repentance, of saying sorry. Uh, and uh, Jesus is baptized in the water. Water cleans us, right? That's what baptism is partly about. Um, and so Jesus is baptized. And when he comes back up, the Father tears the heavens open. He sends this dove down, which is his spirit. And he says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
And that's what we see when Jesus was baptized. And we are baptized as Jesus was baptized. And so Jesus, who was from this uh, northern backwater called Nazareth, uh, Jesus, who had done nothing for God at this point, he'd been apprenticing with his father, uh, most likely a carpenter. Jesus hasn't done anything for God. And the father speaks over him, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And from this point, Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He goes on to heal people, to turn water into wine, to raise the dead, and ultimately to give his life as a sacrifice for us. But right now, in his baptism, he's done nothing for God. And that is the most important thing for each of us. The most important thing you can know is that when you were baptized is that when you came into relationship with Jesus, the Father speaks over you. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And from that place of knowing your primary vocation, your first calling as a disciple... You can go out and do amazing things with Jesus in this world. You can go and be known as a Christian. But first, you've got to know whose you are. That is the most important thing about each of us. And that's something that's been true in my life. I just told you about how I became a Christian. Um, You know, you don't step into training for ordained ministry uh, without hearing the Father speak to you. Craig, it's okay. I know you don't have it all together. But first, I love you. And at every point in my life, I have to put myself back again to, be, to listening to the Father's voice, to hearing that I am loved. Because, I'm, I, I mean, you might not be like this, but, but for me, the checklists, you know, the, the to-do lists, if I can achieve those and get those done, that's like my dopamine hit. That's how I feel valuable. That's how I feel important. But that's not going to save me, is it? That's not going to establish the love that the Father has for me. And so I have to put myself again and again through reading the Bible, through praying, through corporate worship, through fasting, through silence and solitude, whatever spiritual disciplines you can inhabit. I've got to put myself there again and again because the first and most important thing about me is that I am loved. I am chosen by our Father in heaven. So that's the first thing, um, and that's why I often end up preaching from Jesus' baptism. Um, the first and most important thing is knowing whose you are. And that leads us to then think about what we do with that in our day-to-day life. Uh, what does it mean for you as a, a teacher, a store worker, uh, a doctor, a nurse, um, somebody, uh, at the, a parent at the school gate, uh, somebody in a community group? What does it mean for you to live out and be known as a Christian. I don't know what you think happens, uh, whether you've really thought about what happens when we gather on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, we, we gather, um, there's some worship, um, we'll offer a few prayers to the ceiling, and we'll kind of come and have some nice chats, we'll hear from God's words. Um, we'll do that. And, it, and, and it's probably strange if you're new here, um, I don't know you, you might be your first time, this, this might not be something you expected a church to be like. And most of us spend most of our time 
kind of out there, right? We've got 166 hours in, in the real world, other than the two hours we have to come and sit in church and make polite conversation. And so as a Christian disciple, we've got to be able to translate what we're we doing here when we're singing together. Um, I love the kids being up the front here. Um, that was so encouraging to see uh, their junior church songs. Uh, real privilege. Uh, but, but what are we doing when we pray, when we celebrate um, with bread and wine in a minute? You know, the first disciples were known as cannibals um, because of talking about eating Jesus' body. It doesn't sound like a great thing. It's strange, right? How do we make sense of that over here in our day-to-day lives? How do we live as disciples in the world? Because we're not called to be a holy huddle and only be holy for two hours, right? This is the whole of our life. We've just sung it. And this is the whole of the life that we're called to be known as disciples. And so somewhere, we've got to be a bit of a go-between and make sense of this. If we're going to invite friends to know Jesus, they've got to come and be part of a church at some point. Um, And so we've got to understand what we're doing. And I think this is um, uh, illustrated uh, by um, uh, when I was uh, in Canterbury, um, the local Christian Union uh, leader who trained up the other leaders um, used to send them into a bookies to put a two-pound bet on. Uh, now, you can imagine asking a group of undergraduate students who probably, on the whole, didn't use, aren't, aren't used to frequenting a bookies aged you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, the experience they had putting that bet on was like what most people experience coming to church. You know, which horse, which dog, how do I write it, where do I write it, who do I tell I want to put the bet on, who do I give my money to? How, how, how do we make sense of that as people who perhaps, I mean, you may go to the bookies, I don't know, I used to work in a bookies, so I understand what's happening a little bit. Uh, but um, how do we make sense of that? And then how do we think about how our friends, our colleagues from over here, make sense of what we're doing on a Sunday? Um, Don't worry, I don't think we're just praying to the ceiling. I believe in a transcendent and present God as well. Um, So what I want to suggest is this is about how we live our daily lives. Um, uh, The London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, um, I love mentioning them in a sermon, because if you get it out, you've done well. Uh, But um, they they have this this course called Fruitfulness on the Front Lines. Uh, We ran it in my last uh, church, and it's about helping us think about what does it mean to be a Christian, to be known as somebody who follows Christ in our day-to-day lives. Uh, A few of the examples they give. Some of us might model godly character. We might go a bit further with a particularly difficult colleague or a tricky pupil in our class. We might show God's patience and kindness where others perhaps have uh, already lost any sense of patience they had. Um, And we know stories, well, I know stories of people who've um, you know, somebody said, I don't know how you are so kind to our boss. He's such a, a, a horrible person. But you are so kind and gracious to him. Tell me about how you do that. Uh, what about um, standing up for difficult, uh, in, in difficult or unjust situations? Modeling something of the heart of our God for justice in this world. When there's uh, something happening in work or school or whatever it is that we need to model justice. Some of us might just need strength to get through our day, to work hard for God. Um, we're encouraged in the epistles, aren't we, to work as if working for Christ in everything. So demonstrate care and attention, diligence, and let that be part of our model. And so as we do that, as we choose to be abiding in Christ, I haven't used that language, but as we choose to live in Christ, how do we 
make sense of this in church and the community that we are with what's happening in everyday life. Somewhere in the middle, the way you live and work, the way you live, work and play will be important. Like those friends of mine at university who showed me, and it was really reading the Bible, I didn't understand why they did it. They showed me what it was to know Jesus. And that's what we've got to be thinking about as Christians. Sometimes we will have to be able to explain our faith. Um, you might find yourself, you know, I mean, I don't know what you'll be doing in the, in the heat wave in the next couple of days, but next time you talk to somebody when you're not cocooned um, because of the heat, um, you know, what, what did you do on Sunday? Oh, well, you know, actually, um, oh, I went to church. Um, there was this new guy, and um, I don't think we'll have him back. It was terrible, but he was preaching about sharing our faith. Thank you, it's normally an easy laugh. Um, so, um, so, so how do we share our faith? And what does it mean for you to tell your story in one minute? Why are you a Christian right now? Um, and I'm, I'm so passionate about you being equipped for the 166 hours you're not at church that I often forget to, um, and, and, and not, I, when I'm not preaching in interregnum and the vicar's actually sat beside me, um, I must say, you know, the church needs to be built up as well. So we need people to serve the tea and coffee, to lead the prayers, to lead sung worship, um, to be involved as church wardens or treasurers or PCC members. Uh, we need the church to function well so that we can be equipped and sent out in our week without burning out a few key leaders. Um, and so we need to be serving in the church uh, as well. But I'm really passionate uh, about seeing people released in their gifts. And so what does it mean for you to go out into uh, your day-to-day -day life and be known as a Christian. Well, actually, I go to church for the community. Or I go to church because Jesus has forgiven me and that reminds me that I'm not perfect and that's okay. Or I go to church and I experience peace in the midst of all that's going on in the world and that sustains me. A couple of um, quick examples of people I've known. Um, when I was in Peckham, um, doing my internship uh, too many years ago now, um, uh, the, my small group leader uh, was uh, one of the most senior civil servants of his age. Um, he was probably in his early 30s. Um, and uh, he had a staff of several hundred across London and Liverpool. And, um, uh, and he used to get into work early. He used to get an ungodly hour train. I mean, it's kind of late for me now as a parent. But, um, but he used to get his early train in and sit at his desk and read his Bible and pray. And pray for his colleagues as they arrived. And they knew as they came into the workplace that that's what their senior boss was doing. He was modeling what it is to be a Christian, to be known as that. And that stimulated conversations. It helped him model Christian leadership, Christ-like leadership in his day-to-day -day life. Uh, the other example is of um, the children's worker um, in our last uh, parish. Um, and we didn't have a church school. Um, the local primary school uh, was a... Um, a non-church school, um, and we didn't really have good relationships. Uh, I arrived there about 10 years ago, and, uh, but, but our children's worker, she just started. Every week, she went in and took two of the biggest tray bakes of cake you've ever seen into the staff room. She was intentional, she built relationships, she blessed the teachers and built trust. And now, 10 years later, she's still doing it, um, but, uh, but the opportunities to do Why Christmas in our church, why Easter, our church and their church, well, it was my church at the time, it's fine, um, it, to do It's Your Move for Year Sixes, uh, to be invited in to do mentoring with some of the pupils that were struggling. Uh, the vicar was invited in uh, to do some uh, stuff around Christian um, uh, death and dying. Um, and that all came because she went in and offered cake, friendship, and built trust. Um, but then she was able to say, well, actually, as Christians, 
we want to be able to bless you and talk about this. So our first, the first thing about each of us is we need to know whose we are. That's our primary vocation. It's a real privilege in my role um, that I get to do a lot of that deep discipleship with people. Uh, and uh, the second thing is who, uh, how do we live that out in our day-to-day life? There are loads of great resources out there. Um, LICC have quite a few of them, um, but there's much more um, than that. And then the final thing I always need uh, to mention um, is we do need those um, who are called to play a part within the people of God to lead and grow. You're feeling some of that right now without a vicar. Um, there will be opportunities for, you, for people to step up to growing gifts. Um, but we do need those of us called to lead, either as licensed lay ministers alongside their priest, or as priests um, who are called to play a part, um, set apart within the people, um, to lead the people, to see where God is going, to help us collaborate and discern together. And I'm always struck by um, that image in Revelation 4, uh, where uh, Christ is seated on his eternal throne. There's Jasper and Carnelian, the worship of those winged beasts uh, that are praising God and saying, holy, holy, holy. And I love that image of Jesus um, sitting on his throne because he is Lord of this world. And we want to see that breaking in across West Bridgeford, across the communities, the schools, the places of work that you belong to, across the city of Nottingham and across uh, the county of Nottinghamshire, across this diocese. And we need people who will help us do some of that translation between what we do on a Sunday, why we do it, and what's happening in our everyday life. Um, Archbishop Stephen Cottrell says in his book, uh, the purpose of this priestly ministry is to enable the whole people of God to fulfill their vocation, to grow into the fullness of Christ and witness to God's kingdom in the world. That is what I long for each of us to play our part in seeing God's kingdom coming in the world. Um, A few weeks ago, I had the uh, huge privilege of uh, speaking at my gran's funeral uh, to my non-Christian family, uh, except my gran, who six years ago I led to the Lord. Um, It's a great story. Um, I'll tell the short version. But 10 years ago, uh, she had uh, two heart attacks, one in in hospital. Um, And so we drove up. It was 300 miles. Um, It was a long way in a Nissan Micro without air conditioning. Uh, But we went up, uh, and uh, I offered a half-hearted prayer uh, at the foot of her bed. Uh, She got better. She wanted to know, what is this Christian faith? I'd been a Christian for five, six years, seven years by that point probably, but she wanted to know what is different about Craig. I know this because her vicar and people in her church told me a couple of weeks ago. Um, but what is different about Craig? And why did I get better? You know, we were there for the end. Anyway, so she did Alpha a couple of times in this church that I found uh, in Darlington where she was. Um, she did Alpha. She became an, a helper on Alpha I was never quite sure how helpful she would be, but uh, she was. um, And I sat her down six years ago, and I said, Gran, look, you've got loads of great questions. I don't know the answer to all of your questions, but I think you need to choose to follow Jesus. And so we prayed a simple prayer. Um, She chose to follow Jesus. She got involved in that church. She used to tell me she wasn't there often. She was there more often than most Anglicans that I'm aware of, nearly every week. Uh, And she, um, uh, she helped out with the food bank. She helped out on the Alpha course. She hosted. She didn't leave, but she hosted a small group. Um, And she went from, as her vicar said to me, uh, she went from this slightly angsty woman, age 78, when she became a Christian, to somebody who experienced the peace 
and contentment of Jesus in her everyday life. Now that is something I'm passionate about seeing. And we can do that together. We can see people become Christians and experience his love, that great love of knowing whose we are and that being at the centre of our lives. So remember whose you are. Remember to live that out. And remember to be ready to tell your story about Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the huge privilege it is to be known as yours. Thank you for our own personal story of encountering you, whether we grew up knowing you or came, uh, came to faith at, uh, at a different point in our life. Lord, thank you that our identity in you is key. And Lord, we pray for one another. I pray for this church here in West Bridgeford that we would be known as good news in our community in the places we're called to. Would you help us witness to your love for this world? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.